0: Welcome to Cincy Reformed. I'm Pastor Brandon. Joining with Pastor Zach, we're co-pastors at Westside Reformed Church, a URC congregation in Cincinnati, Ohio. Today we wanted to talk about the Sabbath day, the, the Fourth Commandment. Uh, We wanted to speak about it more doctrinally, and then maybe in another episode we'll speak more practically, but in this episode, speaking just more doctrinally, big picture, uh, Sabbath day, the day of rest, and there's been a lot of conversation within churches, evangelical churches, but also in the Reformed Church. There's been kind of an intramural kind of uh, discussion about how do you... How do you observe the, the Lord's Day? Is the Lord's Day the Sabbath day? You know what, what connection does the Lord's Day have with the Fourth Commandment? And there's been all of these kind of debates uh, within the Reformed world. Uh, R.C. Sproul kind of framed it this way. R.C. Sproul said, We find a division among Reformed theologians on how the Sabbath day is to be observed, both the continental believers— And the Puritans believed the Sabbath day was to be observed, but they differed as to how it was to be observed. The Puritans believed that the Sabbath day was to be taken up in worship, in the study of the things of God, and in doing errands of mercy. It was not to include things like going on picnics, playing badminton, swimming, or any of their recreational activities. The Continentals believed that though this Sabbath day should indeed be given to worship, there still is an opportunity for restful recreation. And what Archie Sproul is kind of picking up on in this debate is, is just recreation, is that proper rest-taking, where in the continental tradition thinking of the reformation and the 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 reformed churches on the continent in switzerland and the netherlands um they took a stance that was more okay with things like the games or you know going outside having fun with family with your spouse relaxing these kind of things could be useful rest taking Whereas he he spoke here about the Puritans had a view of, well, it's worship. Private worship, corporate worship, family worship the whole day. And everything is kind of subsumed under that category of worship. And so there's this kind of debate going around. Uh, and we wanted to chat about that today. And and also in a subsequent one, when we talk about the practice of, of Sabbath keeping and, and what is the Sabbath and, and all of these things. But Zach, maybe you can just start us off very basically. And, you know, does the Bible even speak about Christians in the New Covenant having a weekly day of rest?
1: Yeah, I think that um, when we begin to think about this from a biblical standpoint, we really need to take our starting point in the book of Genesis And to begin to think about the creation itself, because contrary to what a lot of people want to think about the creation narrative, the seventh day is really the high point of that creation text, and it really builds and comes to a crescendo there in Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3, and maybe that chapter division is not terribly helpful for us, Mm -hmm. maybe that's part of the issue, Mm -hmm. but when we fail to see how important and integral the, the Sabbath is to the creation itself, we can begin to also fail to see that that seventh day has um, uh, implications for the rest of our lives in creation. Uh, God was giving us something of a pattern in creation to uh, observe and to tell us about our humanity, to tell us about who we are and how God made us and what God made us uh, to be. Mm -hmm. And so by that act of a creation where God demonstrates for us that pattern of uh, working in the daytime, resting in the evenings, working six days, resting on the seventh. He really demonstrates to us a sort of a, uh, who we are as human beings and how God made us to, to function in this world. And so when we, um, in cha- verse three of chapter two, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created, and made and so we kind of begin there I think it's also uh, important to uh, think about how in the uh, uh, gospel texts that when Christ rose from the dead that the gospel writers especially John are um, there they, they make a point to tell us not just that he rose on that first day of the week aka the eighth day but that that's also when he began to appear to the uh, disciples that's when he um, w- would join them and to give them uh, greetings and to bless them to, to declare his peace upon them that that was his regular practice and so that has some certain um, uh, suggest something to us I think especially when in the Gospel of John there is this movement from the Old Testament uh, feasts uh, t- toward Christ and as Christ then begins to meet with his people on that eighth day, as the gospel comes to a close, I think there's a real a suggestion being made to us. And it's a suggestion that's then picked up as we read the book of Acts and in 1 Corinthians itself, that the church began to meet then on the first day of the week. Uh, that the narration about uh, Christ and the gospels was not isolated, but that became then the apostolic practice to then begin to gather, to take up collections on the first day of the week, to gather and hear Paul preaching on the first day of the week, that that was uh, an ordinary uh, way of going about things. We could look to Hebrews chapter four, which again is suggestive for us. As in Hebrews four, you have a discussion about that creation Sabbath and how it has implications for us still today. And it talks about the church as uh, continuing a, a Sabbath keeping. And in that uh, text, in Hebrews 4, verse 9, there is a, a word that's kind of invented to try to, to describe what the uh, Christians were to do, and it's the word sabbatismos. And it, the, the rough translation is that there remains a Sabbath rest or a Sabbath keeping for the people of God. And for some reason, the author of the Hebrews decided to coin that new term, to describe this rather than maybe a more conventional term, a more, uh,
0: I don't know, what would you call it? A more uh, at-hand term. He decides to invent something, right? Right. I mean, he could have used catapausis or something like that to, to convey what he's meaning of this rest. But he, yeah, he coins this phrase, bringing Sabbath into view, this sabbatus mos, this Sabbath rest, Sabbath keeping in view for the Christian, which is this, an interesting theological mm-hmm. thing he's doing, I think, in, in Hebrews.
1: And we'll come back to that. Uh, relationship of the heavenly Sabbath to our Sabbath keeping but you know people do feel maybe um, some out there might feel a little bit uh, strange about using the word Sabbath to speak about uh, the first day of the week it's also important to say this is the Lord's day and uh, that's how John brings uh, how he opens up his revelation the last book of the Bible it's in that context where God revealed to him the visions, the, the, the revelation that he then passed along to the churches. And the Lord's day in Revelation chapter one, I think it's about verse 10, is a construction that is found only one other place, and that is in 1 Corinthians 11, to speak about the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. And that, 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 that holy thing belonging to the Lord could then also be spoken of that to speak about the Lord's day as well. And so while none of those particular things might be in and of itself a knockdown argument for for a, 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 f- a fulsome Lord's Day and Christian Sabbath uh, doctrine, I think when all of those things kind of come together, when we begin to think about the uh, creational significance, when we begin to think about the uh, importance of the all Ten Commandments, not just nine, but all Ten Commandments upon the Christian life, I think we arrive in a place where you have a nice, robust uh, Lord's Day uh, doctrine. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, do you want to maybe talk to us about? We've kind of alluded a little bit to some um, developments over the course of the biblical text. We obviously began in creation, and that was a seventh day mm-hmm. Sabbath, a Saturday Sabbath. Now we're talking about a Sunday Lord's Day. Maybe we'll kind of help sketch that out for us.
0: Yeah, so um, um, Herman Hoeksema actually had a helpful article where he kind of painted through some of the kind of biblical theological redemptive historical movement uh, regarding the Sabbath, and he begins speaking as you as you mentioned in Genesis two, the creation Sabbath. So God rested on the seventh day, and Adam was bid to enter God's rest. He was he was bid to enter consummation and had adam kept the covenant of works he would have advanced he and all of his posterity into the uh into the eternal glory into the eternal sabbath rest so he was oriented to enter that rest as god went from work to enthronement uh so too was adam kind of oriented toward that seventh day rest entering it And dwelling with God in a heightened communion bond uh, with him and so you have there that this creation Sabbath and notice what's happening in the Garden of Eden it's it's Adam longing for a high heightened uh, life with God with the triune God Uh, uh, Francis Turretin talks about how the tree of life would have been like a sacrament to Adam You know, as he saw the tree of life, that tree of life would have been pointing to this greater um, reality, this greater consummative dwelling in a heightened communion bond, face to face, friend to friend, uh, fellowship bond with the triune God. And, you know, that would have been a sacramental sign, that that tree for Adam. And and so in the Garden of Eden, the Sabbath Sabbath was something that you longed for, that you look forward to. It was a goal. Next, Hosea speaks about the shadow Sabbath, and he's he's speaking here about the law, the the Sabbath commandments given to Israel, and the 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 kind of Sabbath land of Canaan given to Israel, and he calls it a shadow because it points to a greater reality. It's pointing forward again to one day entering God's rest, God's seventh day consummative rest. And it was in typological shadow, you know, types and shadows form in Israel and in the land of Canaan, kind of pointing to this larger reality. And what we also see with Israel and with um, the the law that Moses gave is uh, there were things added around, you could say, the the Sabbath principle. Whereas not only was there A day in which you should you should rest and you should stop working and and these things but they they built up around it you could say scaffolding Um, and so there were laws like if you work on the Sabbath you're stoned and killed and there were other ceremonial and civil laws that were kind of added and built up. Alistair Begg uses the imagery of scaffolding. If you have a pillar and that's the fourth commandment and the scaffolding around it is some of the extra stuff maybe that you see within the Levitical law and these kind of things. Well, you know, that was is what was in play in the shadow Sabbath. And then we come into what uh, Hoxima says, the resurrection Sabbath. And this would have been uh, with Christ, as Christ died and rose again. And he uh, entered his rest on the first day. Whereas in the Old Covenant, you know, the pattern was creation. God works six days, rested on the seventh. And that's why the Sabbath was Saturday. Well, in the New Covenant, Jesus rests from his work on the first day, Sunday. That's Resurrection Day. And we see the practice of the Christian churches to gather on the first day of the week uh, because Christ rose on the first day of the week, and that became the Lord's Day. And, you know, believers are... In principle, you know, obviously, uh, in that rest that Christ has earned for us, we are, as Paul said, seated now in the heavenly places. But we are still, as the writer of Hebrews mentioned, we're still in the wilderness. We are still um, desiring to enter that consummative rest. When Jesus comes back, we've not entered the new heavens and new earth. And we're longing to enter the new heavens and new earth. And so that's why sabbath um, as as a command as a principle has not you know gone away in our day there has been some who maybe um, have a bit of an over-realized eschatology where they almost are thinking the new heavens and new earth are now or something there's some who have spoken about how like for the new the, the the new covenant believer there's only nine commandments and the fourth commandment went away Jesus did away with the fourth commandment but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we've not entered yet that final rest. We've not entered new heavens and new earth. And that's what the Sabbath was pointing to. Mm-hmm. And so how can you say, well, the Sabbath is done away with when what it was pointing to has not been here, has not been yet finalized um here. Uh Jesus did take down some of that old covenant scaffolding, but the pillar still remains, and that uh is is in view here with the resurrection sabbath, as he calls it. And then the final rendition that he gets to is the the final Sabbath. The final Sabbath is what it what it was pointing to. What the what 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 all of these um uh, from the Garden of Eden to, uh, to to land of Canaan, to the New Testament, all of it was pointing to this final Sabbath. That arrives when Jesus comes back again in the future. And at that point, we will have entered God's eternal rest. There will be no more crying or pain or tears. There will be no more threat of death. We, we will be beyond probation because Christ has brought us to the place where the first Adam failed to bring us. Um, and so Christ, the second Adam, succeeded where the first Adam mm-hmm. failed. So, Zach, anything else you wanted to kind of piggyback on any of those fun four phases of Sabbath?
1: I don't think so. I think that maybe as we start wrapping this episode up, maybe what we might want to just do is just, you know, just kind of summarize this, because there's a lot that we've kind of brought out here, I think. But just to remind us that on one hand, we got that, that uh, the sabbath and the lord's day they look back to creation so they have a connection with our humanity and that we're not meant to be creatures who burn the candle on both ends working 24 7 365. we're not made like that Uh, two that our um, resting has a forward look as well and a heavenly look uh, in terms of a participation and enjoyment in the uh, heavenly reality and then finally that that act of um resting that we experience as as a rhythm which we're going to get to more in our next episode is is a thing that while it connects with both those two then there are very practical things that we want to uh, undertake and maybe not undertake on 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 the lord's day to to best utilize uh, the gift of the sabbath or the lord's day uh, because the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath and it's called to be a blessing and a delight uh, to the christian so maybe just to kind of bring, wrap up a couple of those things to to bring it down a little bit good okay, well we hope that uh, it's been helpful for you to reflect upon the sabbath and the lord's day if you want to check out the Heidelberg catechism before uh, next week's episode we recommend heidelberg 103 i uh, wish i think we'll be uh reading then and thinking about this a little bit more but uh Hope that um, your next Thursday is a joy to you, and look forward to you joining us next week. This is the Sincere Reform Podcast, sponsored by Westside Reform Church. Hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.